Historian Mark Knoll famously opens his 1994 classic, The Scandal of the Evangelical Mind, with a provocative sentence. He writes, The scandal of the evangelical mind is that there is not much of an evangelical mind. Knoll goes on to make the historical case that the American evangelical church has been beholden to a crippling anti-intellectualism. Now, why start a podcast and a YouTube channel with a statement like this? Well, there's really two reasons. The first has to do with my own origin story. I am what I am today, in part because of my own reaction to the anti-intellectualism that I encountered in the church from an early age. The second reason has to do with the goal and the purpose of this project. I want to challenge believers everywhere to pursue and foster a life of the mind. I want to encourage the church to think for Christ. So my name is Anthony Alberino, and the most important thing about me is that I am, or at least I try to be, a follower of Christ. Now, I'm also an evangelical, and later we'll consider definitions, but for now, I'll start by saying that whatever this term means, I consider myself to be one. And really, I've been one all my life. I grew up in the evangelical community. I've belonged to several evangelical congregations, and I've even pastored at two different evangelical churches. And I still uh, attend an evangelical church today. So look, let me put my cards on the table. I love the Christian church. I love the evangelical church. And what I'm going to say is not out of bitterness or anger or spite. The purpose of this project is not to bash my own community, but to encourage it, to support it, to challenge it. And I'll say more about this in a moment. Okay, so with that out of the way, let me just sketch a very brief biography. As I said, I'm an evangelical. I'm also an academic. As of this recording, I'm working on completing a PhD in philosophy. And for the past 17 or 18 years of my life, I've been pursuing a life of the mind. And the reason I chose a path of academics, the thing that kind of got it all going for me, was my own early experience with the anti-intellectualism in the Christian community that I grew up in. My church was great in many ways, and I'm very fortunate to have been raised in it. It was, however, not a place where one was encouraged to develop the mind as a part of Christian discipleship. As are many evangelical churches in America today, my church was non-denominational, and it was charismatic, and later actually both charismatic and Pentecostal. We took on board a, a uniquely Pentecostal understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I really don't have any complaints about the emphasis that my church placed on the spiritual gifts, or even the active and available power of the Holy Spirit, or even baptism um, as a second work of grace. Of course, I have my own views on these subjects. The problem, as I saw it then and as I see it now, was that there was too much of a focus on the passions in the Christian life. And anyone familiar with the charismatic Pentecostal tradition will know the emphasis that's placed on the passions. And by passions here, I mean the affections, 
feelings, emotions, experience. Now, passion in the life of the Christian and in the life of the church is a very good thing. The problem, as I saw it then, was one of imbalance. Lots of energy was spent in the cultivation of a Christian experience, very little in the cultivation of the Christian mind. I was constantly encouraged to be passionate about my faith, but almost never encouraged to think deeply about it. The attitude to higher Christian education in my church ranged from indifference to outright hostility. I remember that some in leadership would refer to seminary as cemetery. Seminary was a place that your passions would go to die. Now, this never sat well with me, even at an early age, and for two reasons. The first is just because of my personality. I'm not an overly emotive person. My emotional font is not very deep. So it's not surprising that I struggled in an environment that puts such an emphasis on the passions. But also, I've always been inclined to the knowledge of the truth. I want to know the real, the objective, the absolute. And I had little patience for what I consider to be the excessive focus on subjective experience. I remember reasoning to myself that the claims of Christianity were that of a certain view of the real, of reality as a whole, a truth claim about the world, a body of knowledge. And I wanted to understand that claim and comprehend that view of reality. And it wasn't good enough for me to simply experience the faith in a personal and subjective way. I wanted to think. And I wanted to think about absolutely everything from the perspective of my faith. Now, this same drive in me for the objective and rational truth component of my faith also made me very frustrated with the way people around me were approaching the text of Scripture. The excessive preoccupation with the passions inspired a subjective approach to biblical interpretation, grounded in personal experience and even personal revelation. And as you can imagine, all manner of bizarre thinking was on display in such an environment. And I wasn't insulated from being influenced by this methodology. In fact, when I think back about some of the content of my early sermons, I literally cringe. I mean, I said some really stupid things back then from woefully uninformed and half-baked ideas. So needless to say, I was not very comfortable in this environment. Um, to be honest, I was something of a fish out of water. And at some point, I don't exactly remember when, my frustration with the emotionalism and shallowness of thought, including my own shallowness of thought, drove me to begin to pursue a life of the mind. I decided it was time to get informed. So I began to read. I had always been a student of scripture, but now I began to read other books as well. I wanted to learn, for example, how to properly interpret the Bible. So I read books on hermeneutics, the science of biblical interpretation. I wanted to become familiar with my own historical heritage. And so I read widely in the history of Christianity. I wanted to clarify and deepen my own beliefs. And so I began to devour systematic theologies. And I wanted to explore the rational foundation of Christianity, and so I studied some elementary apologetics. And from here, I quickly realized that if I was going to get a strong grasp on this stuff, I had to learn philosophy. And thus began my long love affair with philosophy. And it was about this time that I discovered 
men like R.C. Sproul, William Lane Craig, Norman Geisler. Here were men of deep and committed faith, all of them evangelicals, who were also men of reason. They could talk intelligently about scripture and doctrine, but also about science and philosophy. And this profoundly inspired me. But still, even at this point, I was not considering formal education. It just wasn't something that was even on my radar and still totally foreign to my Christian environment. And I can remember the first time this changed for me. I was an elder um, at my church and was actively trying to introduce some of the things that I had been learning to my congregation. I remember one Sunday, I'd just given a sermon on how to interpret scripture. I was teaching some basic hermeneutical principles. After the service, a pastor who had just joined our staff and who wasn't from a charismatic or Pentecostal background approached me. Now, he was clearly worked up, and I can remember he literally backed me up against the wall. He stuck his finger in my face, and he said in so many words, what are you doing here? Why aren't you in seminary? It's, obviously that, it's obvious that you should be pursuing scholarship. This is clearly your interest. This is clearly your gifting. Now, I was in my mid-20s at the time. I'd been pastoring for a couple of years already. This was the first time someone challenged me to pursue formal education. It was the first time in my life that I would actually consider it as a live option. And only days later, I enrolled in Bible college. So over a decade later, I'm happy to report that my passions did not, in fact, die in the midst of my formal education. I've come out the other side of formal education as a man more deeply committed to Christ, with a faith that's well-reasoned, tested, and entirely my own. Well, so much for my brief biography. I said I am who I am today, at least in part, due to the reaction I had to the anti-intellectualism of my upbringing in the evangelical church. That's one reason that I wanted to start this project with the quote from Mark Knoll about the state of the evangelical mind. The other reason, as I said, is because the general goal of this podcast or YouTube page, depending on how you're consuming this media, is to help in whatever meager way that I can with this problem. I want to join the ongoing effort to stir the American evangelical church from its long anti-intellectual slumber. I believe that the people of God should be the most rational and thoughtful people around. And this may seem like a pipe dream, but for much of the last 2,000 years, the church has been precisely this. So there's a sense in which to call the church to pursue a life of the mind is to call her back to what she once was. And this podcast is not just for evangelicals. It's also from, for Christians from other traditions, such as Protestant or Catholic or Orthodox, and for anyone, really, even the atheist or agnostic who wants to think deeply about reality and about God. And my hope here is to create an environment that models what it looks like to serve Christ with the mind, a place where believers are encouraged to think deeply, and a place where deeply thinking believers are encouraged. The sad truth is that there hasn't always been a place for those who want to pursue a life of the mind in the church. And I want to do my part to help change that. And Lord willing, I plan to use this platform to press deeply into the truth by looking at theology, philosophy, apologetics, history, and even politics. And I also hope to be able to have conversations with some of the leading Christian thinkers of our day. So if this sounds like something that may be valuable or interesting to you, 
please subscribe and join in. If you'd like to help this uh, project get off the ground, please like and share this with your social network. Your support here will help this thing gain traction and ranking, and the more traction we can gain, the better impact that we can make. So please join in. And also, don't forget to click the notification button so that you'll, ne you'll never miss content when that new content is released.